0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Novel Not New, a Truen podcast. It's a narrative gaming book club podcast where we pick various visual novels, adventure games, or anything with a story, really, and we discuss it in detail. I'm your host Jennifer Uncle, and joining me, as always, uh, Six Detmar, Present, and Olivia Joseph. Hi, I am the Knight. By the way, <laughs> I'm the Road.
1: <laughs> what does that make you jen
0: i guess that makes me the masquerade
1: that checks out no
0: i think that, i think that
2: makes jen vampire the masquerade like in full oh okay okay <laughs>
0: yeah i i get a i'm so important that i get that i get my own subtitle <laughs> Yeah, uh, before we dive into the game, or sink our teeth into our main game... (laughs) 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 I I had restraint. I initially planned on starting this podcast with Welcome Kindred, but that'd be too goofy, so... (laughs) Yeah, um, did anyone else play um, any sort of game they wanted to talk about before we get into the main to the main course or whatever?
1: I mean, I, I have played a couple. Um, I know I have one in common with you, Jen, so I will hold off on that. Um, but so this game that we're going to be talking about, Vampire the Masquerade Night Road, is made by Choice of Games, um, who just puts out a whole shitload of of, of choose-your-own-adventures, uh, you know, text adventures. And... Um, I was inspired by enjoying this to check out another one that they made in my library called Mecha Ace and boy whoever wrote that really likes Gundam uh it was fun it's it's uh like basically uh you're you're an elite pilot for a uh an alliance of uh space colonies who are fed up with the tyranny of a uh earth government right
2: Mm mhm I've heard of this. And
1: uh, you, are, you are fighting for your independence, um, and it's kind of a bit of a stalemate, and perhaps a, a, a large percentage of the human population have died. And uh, you get your hands on... Uh, you have to recover... Your first mission that you play is you recover from the enemy a uh, prototype mecha that, that's going to change the war, um, and you become its pilot. And they do a lot of good, like subversions are playing with those things but like also the moment where they're like hey pick your character name and the list of options was like it was six names and five of them were from gundam It could be like aina or mirai and stuff and i was like okay (laughs) i see what we're doing
0: uh wearing their inspirations uh keeping their inspirations close to their sleeve i guess yeah
2: The thing is, by putting you in the, in the seat of, like, the, the space colonies fighting for independence, um, it feels kind of like, well, if you're in a better spot than most Gundam-inspired media.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's a situation where they, it seems like they mostly want you to feel comfortable with the choices you're making, um... As opposed to, you know, if you were playing as the Federation. Uh, excuse me, not the Federation. Uh, like the United Earth Government or something like that. Um, and there is a Char who fights for Earth. And that's weird. You hate to say it. Huh. Um, especially because... the. So one of the things that the game does is it randomizes the genders every time. Um, of every character, and also you can just choose to pick the genders, and so I had a girl, Char, who, um, spoilers, turned out to be a very, you know, I'll try and be vague in case someone wants to play this, um, not the same motives as Char, more, uh, PS2 JRPG end boss than (laughs) that? (laughs) Hmm,
0: Okay. (laughs)
1: um i was like okay this is a way for things to go apparently judging by the achievements i could have just been like no let's just have sex (laughs) if i'd done my played my cards right and they'd be like like no don't be fascist haha you're so cute um but no that's i I killed them (laughs) (laughs) all right Uh, know, it's
2: fun that's good
0: okay um how about you olivia
2: um, I'm always really bad at this. Does Honkai Impact count?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of those Gasha games do have uh, visual novel elements. Like, I started playing that new D4DJ game by Bushiroad, and that has whole visual novel chapters you go through in between songs. So, probably. Well, I was showing my girlfriend the newest, um, like, the newest
2: story chapter, and it was just like... <laughs> and and it was there were like there were like 20 minute visual novel sections and then we get to one fight and there was a point like halfway through where both of us were like man why are these fights so long can we get back to the feelings please (laughs) Uh, i know how that is i i feel like this is a this is a trend with a lot of um gotcha games that go on for a while is like the the interesting game content and the interesting like story content can get kind of like divorced from each other in different modes. So like if I really mm-hmm. want to play if I really want to play Honkai Impact, there's like all these different like events and, and challenge modes that I can go to. But like when I come to the story, I just want to see this girl have mental illness.
1: <laughs> yeah, by the time I I mean I eventually ended up uh, deciding that I should stop having a gotcha game addiction and stop playing Girls Frontline, um, it turns out you can just decide. Um, no, I'm kidding. It's it's. I was lucky that I was exhausted. Um, by the time I quit Girls Frontline, I was you know there were events. I mean, first of all, they started introducing missions that were just like auto win, so they could give more story. Mm-hmm. Like there were there were maps in in certain events where basically. Once it would be, you know, like ten minutes of of dialogue and visual novel stuff, and then the map would load in, and you would hit end turn, and you would win. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: I think it's a, I think it's a tension in the story things because like there's there's like incentives both to make the story easy so that everyone can see the story, and also to like put complicated and difficult stuff in there for like the hardcore players and. You know, there's different ways of trying to trying to do that. Honkai mostly will just like give you characters that are tooled for like whatever fight you're going into. Um, so it creates a weird thing where like if you wanted to play the story, I'm pretty sure you could just not play the rest of the game. And just be like, Alright, give me the give me the story characters and just do all the stages that way. Um it's, unlike a lot of other gacha games, it's not like I'm, like, leveling up my characters so that I can progress through the story. That's pretty separate from, like, the other, the the rest of the stuff I'm doing.
0: Huh.
1: Girl Frontline got there eventually, but, uh, definitely was not there at first.
0: <laughs> so, so it doesn't make you, like, uh, roll gacha to get more story content or anything like that?
2: Um, no, not really. You, you roll the gacha, like... You roll the gacha stuff to get, like, cool, cool girls to play in the different modes. But, like, if you want to do the story, after a certain point, they're just going to, like... You'll load up a story level, and it'll be like, here's your character. It's, like, it's it's Kiana. We put her to level 80. She has all her best gear. Just, like, go do this fight. Um, and you'll, you'll use the actual, like, gacha characters that you rolled in all of the other modes.
0: Wow. Okay. That's i without much familiarity with that game itself i'm not sure if generous is the right word but i'm glad that they let you just focus on the story if you want to
2: um yeah i it's it's and i it's it's fine i'm um because i'm not super hardcore on that game it, it does create kind of a vibe where i'm like well I'm just kind of, I have the characters that I like, and I'm basically just going to, like, roll the gotcha when they put out a new version of, of, like, one of the characters that are my favorites. um, And just kind of, like, screw around there. I don't feel super pressured to, like, make good teams. Um, Mm. In fact, two of my most common teams are just, like, multiple versions of the same character that I like that happen to work well together. Um, Yeah. The Hong Kong story is actually pretty good, is the thing.
0: Yeah, uh, the bits and pieces I've seen um, you post before it looked really interesting.
2: I don't really, I don't really understand what happens by which, like the, the the bizarre alternate universe fanfic of like twenty like otaku guys in Hong Kong gets like turned into a pretty good story about like the pain, the like difficulties and pains of women trying to make it in the world but something happens and i i appreciate it uh
1: the one thing like my my overpowering memory is um every time you you thanks to you keeping all your Honkai impact uh tweets on one thread every time you tweet about it again i see the neil armstrong <laughs> yes <laughs> Neil.
2: <laughs> Neil Armstrong canonically went to the moon and then went to the dark side of the moon and found that it was covered in Honkai energy and was like, "Uh-oh."
1: Is that a bad thing?
2: Th- that's really bad. Honkai energy is trying to destroy uh, human civilization. Uh, is that bad? Yeah, cuz that's where all the girls that we like live. <laughs>
1: okay, that's fair. That's fair. I've had a I've had a lot of moments recently with media. Where they're like, they're trying to destroy humanity. And I'm like, yeah, these days that doesn't feel necessarily
2: evil to me. <laughs> uh, yeah. we have yes. we haven't gotten we haven't gotten the full backstory on what Honkai is or like what its goals are, uh, but God is involved somehow.
1: But you have been doing a lot of looking at the impact of Honkai on society.
2: Yes. Yeah. Uh okay. there's been many Honkai. Third. In- there's been there's been three honkai impacts so far
1: oh okay
2: it's been very funny because in in many of the like materials they translated as honkai eruption (laughs) so it's like (laughs) well um who knows uh but yeah the the like recent the most recent story like that they came out with was like They introduced a girl whose like, thing is that she, or, like, so way back when, they introduced a girl called Sele, who is, like, the nice, the nice, kind, like, meek girl, and then she also has, like, uh, she also has, like, another her living inside of her that's, like, dark and goth, and is, like, we gotta look out for ourselves, Sele, we gotta, like, we gotta, like, cut loose all this dead weight and, like, um, you know, just make sure we're looking out for number one. Um, and now several years after introducing her, the story is about, like, the two of them, like, trying to reconcile and come to, like, a better, like, emotional understanding between them and then, like, practical workings of how they're going to share their body while there's, like, an evil puppet villain that is trying to, like, tear them apart.
0: Oh, um. so Kingdom Hearts, then. <laughs>
2: It's very I I it's very kingdom hearts. I don't shy away from telling people like look, if you like kingdom hearts, you're going to there's a lot of there's a lot of girls and then alternate versions of those girls. Um some of them are evil, some of them start out evil and then stop being evil. Um there's parallel universes. Um The thing that I always tell people is that uh, Genshin Impact and Honkai Impact take place in the same multiverse scheme. Okay. okay makes sense i i you know listen if with
1: enough with enough universes you could have an airport there are there are
2: uh there's a part in Honkai impact in which a character like is implied to have traveled to the genshin impact world and been like well this sucks there's none Does of sp- it? I thought people liked that. <laughs> <laughs> well, from his point of view, there wasn't e- there like weren't enough uh, states and modern economy for him, so he went back uh, to the Honkai world.
1: Uh like cell phones?
2: No, yeah. he was like, I can't make the Illuminati here. This is like three city states.
1: I mean, you probably could. There are a lot of gay boys. <laughs> I bet they'd be into making the Illuminati
2: it's 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 so funny to me that uh miHoYo makes both of those games because just like it's because like uh genshin and honkai they're just like honkai is just extremely uh focused on women and it seems like genshin is much more focused on men <laughs> and it's very it's it's just amusing to me the stark divide between like character ratios in those uh.
1: I, I played a a, a moderate chunk of genshin i mean like you know not but i played enough to sort of feel like i got a grip on things and it seemed like the weird thing was i don't think genshin is that focused on boys it just has boys and those are the ones that everyone latches onto. there are a lot of girls in that game just it seems like nobody cares <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah they released uh one or two femboys at the right time in that game's life cycle that that's what people became obsessed with yeah Meanwhile, you go to Honkai. There's not like,
2: I think there are two men in that game who have models. <laughs> They're not playable, but they have they have models. They're important in the story, but it, I think it's like just two of them. Um, thinking about men in Honkai, I can think of three right now. Maybe four.
1: Hmm.
2: hmm. Okay. Yes, four.
0: I don't know that I can go higher than that anyway. Yeah. Uh, Before we get into Vampire, just one more thing. I I won't spend too much time on this, uh, just because uh, there are two other podcasts on this particular podcasting network that have discussed this game in detail, but uh, I finally played through the entirety of Disco Elysium, and I had a pretty great time with it. Like, uh, they... I was not expecting to get invested in the main character's sad sack story as much as I did. But uh, yeah, a- after hearing everything that he's gone through, it's like, okay, yeah, I can see why he would be like this after all of this has happened. But uh, it's just a very lively world that uh, is uncomfortable to be in at times. But uh, yeah, it's it's just very good at portraying this dilapidated area and uh, being an outsider coming into there and understandably pissing off the locals because they see you as someone who's just coming in to do a few to basically screw things up for them before going back to your more comfortable living quarters or whatever.
1: Also because you are an asshole.
0: That too. (laughs) (laughs) Um...
1: Yeah, I also will be quick. I also have played a fair bit of Disco Elysium. I need to finish it up. Um, I'm very close to the end. And I just wanted to say, when Disco Elysium first came out, I wrote an article about basically the the first two hours being like, man, this game sucks and I hate its politics. Uh, That article has not aged well. That's all. (laughs) I think the first two hours, it is easy to get the wrong impression, but I think that game's great. And, uh, you know, mea culpa
0: yeah it's it's easy to look at the beginning and like meet two kids who are using homophobic slurs at you and then trying to get past a gate security guard who is a intense uh racial supremacist asshole and be like i don't like the way that these characters are getting introduced and i don't really want to be around them to hear them say this shit but uh yeah it's the more time you spend in that world and seeing that the game is also (laughs) the game comments on it more intelligently as it goes on um the the better it gets
1: change the voice actor for kuno with the new the new version it's weird
0: interesting yeah i i wouldn't know because like I played the first three minutes the first time I tried to play it and then left it alone until the new uh, big update happened. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Now seems like a good time to get into the main game, which is, uh, as we've discussed before, Vampire the Masquerade Night Road, written by Kyle Marquis. I think that's how it's pronounced. Um, It came out in, let's see... 2020 and had a few expansions after that Um, the main gist of it is you're basically a you're basically on the bottom rung of a vampire society acting as a courier um, doing jobs for the Camarilla and other high society vampires and um, during one day right before dawn uh, your car happens to break down and then Shit kind of spirals out from there. One thing leads to another. You're in Tucson, Arizona, and uh, taking jobs for Prince Leto there, while your old friend uh, Julian Sim is conspiring to, uh, like, shake up the masquerade by replacing it entirely.
1: Mm. I'm planning up to shake up the soda by throwing it away. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, sometimes these old systems basically, (laughs) you basically chip away at them one bit at a time until they're gone completely. And, uh, yeah, that, we'll get into it, but but that's his basic plan. Mm -hmm. Julian
2: has, Julian has, like, read a book about hegemony and was like, bro, (laughs) holy shit. I've got some great ideas how he can really (laughs) blow this whole thing wide open. <laughs> Basically. Julian's a lot. I think the worst part about him is that he's not wrong. It's just like. No. Yeah. It's just very funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, Dude. he's not wrong. He's just very high in himself, and it's constantly. The writing is constantly pointing out how he's showing up to important meetings in his Junji Ito hoodie. Yeah,
1: yeah. I. uh I don't know. I know that uh both both Olivia and I ultimately it comes down to I mean I think there are other I think there are other options, but primarily it's like do you go with Julian's plan or with the camarilla and the masquerade? Um and I think I know Olivia and I went with, with Julian's plan. Um Jen, did you do so?
0: Yeah. I initially started playing the game as like a um Toreador, um, who <laughs> basically had no class consciousness whatsoever just because like when you're starting this game even if you're playing as a Toridor, which is basically the snooty vampire clan um your your whole job is basically putting out water in the desert so that uh migrants uh get lured into the lair of this uh older ancient vampire who will Eat it as eat them as prey, and basically use that to sate them. But uh, yeah, when you meet, when you eventually meet uh, Prince Leto, who is basically the prince of this specific city, um, you can basically play it like, oh yeah, the people you're running with, they're all low strung, but I, the person who is basically getting everything. <laughs> I, this person who's at this super disadvantage because my car broke down and I am taking... I'm basically going under the wing of this prince so that I don't die. I have high visions for myself as climbing this ladder. Even though you were with Julian enough, for long enough, uh, doing this specific terrible job that, you know, it doesn't really work like that. But uh, I played along with that idea for a little bit before... Eventually, Julian's whole... The masquerade is going to fall eventually because technology and pe- everyone has iPhones and can just record shit. That eventually got through to me, so I sided with him at the end. Yeah, I think I think we're using some,
2: like, terms without defining them if, like, people aren't familiar with, like, the World of Darkness setting. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But, but, like, the basics are, like... So, like... The vampire part of World of Darkness is that there are, like, vampires across the world. Uh, uh, Most of them are organized into this kind of, like, globe-spanning vampire society called the Camarilla, which is mostly charged with enforcing the Masquerade, which is a, like, series of rules and infrastructure about hiding the existence of vampires. So, like, don't let, you know, don't let any humans see you feed. Um, don't let any human see you doing vampire power stuff. Um, don't talk about vampire stuff on the, on the phone, uh, because (laughs) there are, like, Inquisition guys, uh, you know, running, like, algorithms to try to catch that stuff. Um, and the Masquerade is about, like, finding leaks in that, in, you know, in that veil of secrecy and then shutting them down. So, like, there's a part where, there's a part in this game where, you know, really early on, you and like a group of like, um, you know, migrant people uh, run into like a vampire, you know, and after you get out of there with your lives, one of the main questions for the player character is like, okay, these guys have just seen a vampire, how am I going to like, am I going to preserve the masquerade here? And how am I going to do that? Am I going to try to like, convince them that like, this wasn't actually a vampire that they saw. Am I going to try to keep them quiet so like this knowledge doesn't spread any farther? Am I just going to kill them so they never have the opportunity to talk about this stuff to anyone? Um, um, so like the idea, I th- the idea in that setting is that like if the mortal world knew about vampires, they could just overrun them with sheer numbers. Um, mm-hmm. And Julian's thing is that. In an era of, you know, streaming and cell phones and the internet, evidence of vampires is eventually going to be able to spread farther than anyone can really contain. So Julian's plan is, I kind of made a joke, basically to do hegemony, but like, create... Because use the fact that vampires are basically immortal beings to influence society and culture over, like, a certain amount of decades to make it so that when that information does leak out, their, you know, humanity is not going to turn on vampires and kill them, uh, the same way the humanity does not turn on, like, the military and- and kill them, or cops, even though, you know, uh, we see- we- see, you know, Julian makes this very, like, pointed analogy of, like, everybody knows that police brutality exists, but- Uh, There isn't like widespread rioting in the streets to get rid of cops Um, because we have, you know, we have hegemony and ideology that tells us even if cops do these things, they are important, you know, capital I important. They serve a valuable role. Um, They're not worth getting rid of. And even if there are people who say we need to get rid of cops, that's not where we are as a society. So Julian wants to do that for vampires,
0: basically, is his plan. Mm hmm. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the way he communicates this, at least uh, towards it m- within my end game, was basically getting people in a room to just watch the Rodney King riots over and over again, and being like, "Yeah, this is pretty screwed up, right? What if we could do this with vampires?" <laughs> and I basically had a talk with him after, being like, "I get what you were going for there, but we are not going to be like this." <laughs> And even though he insisted, no, 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 we're we're not going to go that hardcore, you get the sense that things might take a turn in the future, even with even with the best intentions of this plan. Well, the way the way that I approached that in my game was
2: like vampires are like this, you know, yeah. um, pretty much everywhere you go, it's like, you know, vampires are kind of hooked into like the... The, the deprivation and exploitation that is all over. Um, so I think it's unpleasant, but I think Julian is basically correct when he says we have to become like the cops are because, uh, you know, you are the cops. Um, you fulfill like really similar roles um you know these these are not games about like being a good guy um and in fact Mm -hmm. every time every time the game tried to hint at me that maybe i could team up with the with the fucking fbi to like take down the vampires i was just laughing at it i'm like that's that is not what kind that is not what genre of narrative we are in here come on
0: Yeah, the, this game does come with a content warning uh, in its about page saying it tells a story that is meant to be monstrous but do not mistake it for an excuse to be a monster yourself.
1: Yeah, vampires are bad people is the thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> there's, there's a pivotal moment um, where well, at least in my game, I ended up rescuing a research assistant from this uh, laboratory run by a woman called Dr. Call. And, Did you say uh, snack?
1: Sorry. Must have I <laughs> told you. You said research assistant.
0: <laughs> yeah, research assistant. Um, I had rescued her from this lab of this person named Dr. Call who had um, effectively... Um, there was basically a sorcerer that was after her life and she had used this ability called blood bonding to not only stop the attempt on her life, but warp this uh, sorcerer's mind to basically love her instead. And it's it's a really dark part of the game. It's uncomfortable to go through, and uh, it you can make an effort to, like, stop it by basically killing the sorcerer or doctor call and see what happens. But, uh, yeah. It, it's one of those situations where... After that whole scene, and you're back, you have the research assistant in her own sort of situation. She's like, Hey, what if uh, you turned me into one of your ghouls? And you can think back on that relationship between Dr. Call and this sorceress, and uh, you can basically say no, because like, even if this research assistant is like, I really do want to do this, it's one of those situations where... Once you actually go through with that procedure, you can't really trust her to be honest about her own feelings anymore because she'll be influenced by this parasitic relationship the two of you have taken on.
1: Man, Jen you, out here playing a vampire game with a conscience. What's wrong with you?
0: <laughs> I did end up making her into my cool, is the thing. But, uh...
2: Jam. <laughs> I think this yeah, is... It- it- I think this was very funny because I was also playing a Toreador. Um, and like the... This game like really activated my role-playing game. So I'm sorry if I'm going to go on... Or my role-playing brain. So I'm sorry if I'm going to go on a tangent. But like the... The like guiding factors of this character that I had imagined was like... She'll, she'll do what she has to to survive. Um, but at the same time, she doesn't like getting her hands dirty... Um, and also she has a huge weakness for Julian and his fanboy Wiles. Uh, but she, I think it was funny cause, she, uh, I, I think it's funny that you trying to play the game more with a conscience were like, yeah, I'll make this ghoul. And <laughs> my, my character was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. That seems, that seems messy. I might have to get in this car and like peel out tomorrow. I don't know about this. See, I made a ghoul out of the the pawn shop lady.
1: So that was that was my play for... P- pa- power? That was my play. I don't know. Uh,
0: the pawn shop lady is so much fun. Like, I-, I love the way they write some of these characters here. Like, uh, <laughs> you, d- you take this tour through the various uh, vehicles that she has on her lot that are in various states of disrepair. Most of them have really bad... Um, have really bad wiring in them at this point. and And uh, I forget which car it is, but uh, one of them, she's like, okay, here's the price and I'll throw in the, um, I'll throw in the CDs uh, of Slayer that are in the back for free. Mm-hmm. Like the CDs that were already in the car in the first place.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think actually, depending on what car you pick, you get like the, the soundtrack that was left in the car, which is... <laughs> uh which is good i think i ended up with a
2: mitsubishi before of course the late game free car switch which was great i bought a i bought a really nice mercedes at that point so i was like no i'm not fucking switching my car fuck you (laughs) (laughs) I I, i have a really nice mercedes and i don't care how many cops i have to do stealth game shit around to get it
1: Fuck a, fuck a Mercedes. I got my, i I live my fucking, you know, initial D dream. <laughs> got a, got a Hachiroku baby.
2: I, 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 spent a, I spent a lot of time playing this game, googling brands of cars. <laughs> this, I think the, I think this game has a bad writing habit where it will drop a brand instead of describing something. So I would always have to be on Google Images, like, what does this look like? What am I talking about? And uh, I did that for the cars, I did that for the watches is another one, and guns as well. Um,
0: yeah, there's there's a surprising amount of just saying brands or real-life figures or things like that in this, um, which I'm not used to for stories like this. Mm-hmm. Every time I described Julian's outfit, I was like, is this allowed? Can you just <laughs> say he's wearing a Berserk t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> he was
2: wearing
1: that Berserk t-shirt.
2: I think he was wearing a Skrillex t shirt at one point, like I, I think at
1: some point I just started filtering it out, right? Uh I was not uh my character was not enamored with Femboy charms. My character was a stealth expert, basically. I played uh Banu Hakim. Um, and their ability is just to turn invisible whenever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, which is
2: really good. <laughs> Which is something um, that Julian does, and I think it's a very funny touch that it describes the ability as pixelating him.
1: Mm. It's funny. For <laughs> for yourself, it's way more generous. It's perhaps it's because I specked in that direction. It's just sort of like, no, it's just you're there and then you're gone. That's it. And like the number of things you can get away with. In almost every sort of like physical challenge, there is an option
2: to be like, okay, I disappear. <laughs> um uh, just just throw up the peace sign and <laughs>
0: <laughs> the most over-the-top uh outfit that uh i saw from julian was uh a nicholas cage dragon shirt under a zip-up glitch hoodie with the rebel alliance logo from star wars see this is
1: this is my character went with julian's plans because as a stealth expert i know stealth and i know the masquerade isn't gonna keep stealthy forever right I, listen, I know you're playing a bad person, lovey. You're role-playing as a vampire, and vampires are bad people, but...
2: this is your guy? <laughs> so the thing about vampire stories
0: uh-huh. is that
2: fundamentally that, and I tweeted this shit post, but I said vampire stories are fundamentally about your ex. And what I mean by that is, they are about how, like, on a long enough timeline, what gets you is, like, human sentiment like you know quote unquote human sentimentality basically right there's stories about like or at least vampire stories that I like are stories about like human relationships that are kind of like unbound from like practical and like mortal considerations you know um I don't know if you've read the I don't know if either of you have read the vampire chronicles at all no any
0: of those books I have not No.
2: Uh, well the first one is like uh is is this vampire named Louis making a call out post about his boyfriend Lestat who is like the world's awful most evil nasty man who ruined who turned him into a vampire and ruined his life. And then the second book Prince Lestat is Lestat making a counter call out post. And both of these both of these books are in universe published books that, that like you can buy in the world of the Vampire Chronicles. Um, where Lestat is like, "No, listen. I did some bad things. Yes, but you have to account that you have to account for the fact that I'm very sad and I'm from 8, and, and I'm from 16th century France." Hmm. And so it's just like Lestat doing his whole like back, uh, backstory life story to explain like how actually everything he did wasn't that bad and then in the third book they still meet up again and they're like oh my love I'm so glad to see you again it's been so long and like part of that relationship is that like they have this sentimentality and feeling for each other that doesn't go away even after like 200 years you know um and despite them kind of like feeling like they've become this other kind of being they still have these like weaknesses for each other um louis is like kind of the own he's like one of the very few people that lestat just like cares about and wants to ensure that he's doing all right like he worries about louis not like going out enough you know they'll they'll both be these like 100 they'll both be like these 300 year old vampires and lestat will be like i don't know if he's meeting enough people he just kind of stays inside and reads his books i'm i'm worried about him um, <laughs> and so the thing with the thing with Julian is in my role playing brain very similar, which is like, you know, this is a person who, or like my character Luca in her backstory is like basically brought into the world by the vampire who sires her to like be like a plaything slash art project, and then she's abandoned. And Julian is kind of like the guy who. He's, like, the one person who is, like, still around, for better or for worse, and mostly for worse. Like, he is the the person who always comes back, even if he vanishes after, like, a certain period of time. Mm. And so she's still like, well, in a in a sick way I can count on him. Because I know he's gonna come back if he needs something from me. Um, <laughs> and I was kind of disappointed with the end of the game that it, like treats any like romantic entanglement you do with Julian is just like kind of like a positive thing I was like no mm. I want I want my drama what is this what is this cute shit they're doing kind of a uh, something I want to talk about more later but I think the game kind of wraps up a bit too neat I think mm. and I think the the relationship with with Julian is one of those if you decide to to make it a romantic relationship um he's he's kind of like it's not very remarked upon, because um, I think it does not want to get into, like, this is not a guy that you should make out with. Like, ever. <laughs> yeah,
1: for for my playthrough, as, as I say, I played played Bad Hakeem, which is the same thing as Julian. And so Julian was my sire. And the dynamic there was very much like, I mean, you're kind of a weirdo, but I guess you are my dad. <laughs> <laughs> and so just sort of a lot of situations where it's like, I mean, everybody's jerking me around, and I guess you've just straightforwardly told me what you want, so I'll do what you say,
2: Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's jerking me around, and you've jerked me around, like, one level lower. Yep. Yep. You know? You know, Leto will, like, send you into a place and have you deal with some shit, but Julian will call you on the way to that place and be like, Alright, yo, here's the shit that you're about to deal with.
1: It's not good. In fact, it's bad. You're not going to like it.
2: It's real bad. You need to throw your phone away right now, by the way, because the (laughs) FBI are on your tail.
0: Yeah, and he'll just constantly, after that, call you and then sentences would be like, oh, yeah, since I called you, you kind of need a new phone. Uh, Drop it over here. Don't break the SIM. We'll get you a new one.
1: (sighs) Yeah, I did a a lot of not breaking SIMs.
2: There's a really great... um... There's a really great scene uh, that you called attention to while we were playing, Jen, where he sends, where Julian sends you like six text messages to express one idea <laughs> over the course of like four hours, and it's such a good characterization detail. Um, uh, I think similarly, it, uh, the, it really, I think similarly, there's a good detail where it's just like you. There's a point where you get to see Prince Leto like really frustrated with how machines work, and I really <laughs> like the. Julian the online vampire and Leto the offline vampire. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I also like, I mean, I like the detail of the reason so near the end of the game it starts to be like it starts to be a lot more about the second inquisition and how like a lot of other, you know, vampire havens had have been taken down. But Tucson's all right. And uh Leto's like I told them the internet would be the death of them. <laughs>
2: It's like, I mean, you're right here, but I think it's very cute that Leto refers to your career work as sending emails. <laughs> <laughs> he prints, he literally prints out his emails and gives them to you to give them to other people.
0: It's <laughs> so really funny. Yeah, yeah, and he operates almost exclusively on like uh, shitty uh, ASUS and netbooks that he uses specifically so that he can destroy them as soon as he's done with them
1: Mm -hmm. i also really sorry go ahead
0: i was just gonna say that's a detail i really like about the like the
2: vampire society as it's portrayed here that like there's a degree to which it has to be low tech because technology or the way that like most people use technology is really vulnerable to intrusion and so like um the uh you have to- if you're a vampire, you have to be off Facebook because you don't want, like, an FBI guy finding you on fa- fucking Facebook.
0: Meanwhile, Julian Sim is out here pulling out his phone and uploading you to TikTok or whatever. He
2: he, he literally does that.
0: <laughs> yeah. That is a power play
2: of his to show, like, no, listen, I, I, I have an Insta, it's not that big a deal.
1: <sighs> One thing that I think is really funny- um, this is sort of meta, I guess, but if you go to the Steam page for Vampire the Masquerade Night Road, it has, like, a video trailer that was clearly made by someone who hadn't played the game, mm-hmm. um, because it's just about, like, you're a courier, drive everywhere, run the competition off the road, vroom, vroom, like,
2: this is not the game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's the game. Even though I was, like, a social character, I did a fair amount of running people off the road. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there there is that one bit where you get a s- emergency call and have to drive to a um, airstrip as uh, other cars are circling around you or- and other people, guns blazing, and you have to do some you have to do some sweet car maneuvers to pick up a parcel before it takes off. Fuck it, and, and that later turns out to be
2: just one of Julian's schemes that didn't you didn't even <laughs> need to do. I got
0: yeah, like I got so mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the big inciting incident once you get to um once you get to Tucson is uh you deliver this video to Prince Leto and uh it's a video of this uh vampire named Jasper Knowles uh experimenting on this um white that he's created and uh a white
2: being like a vampire that has lost its like human reason, you know.
0: Yeah, it's basically he's been making these creatures within his own laboratory and experimenting on them, and uh, inevitably he dies because of it. And uh, the ve- the knife that he used uh, ends up showing up in a nearby pawn shop, and uh, if you pay attention to that knife for long enough, it becomes like a red air er- a red herring that keeps appearing every now and then. And at some point, Julian just pipes says like. Oh yeah, that knife, huh? It doesn't do jack shit. I just put it here so that people would get freaked out. And it worked.
2: Yeah, because Julian is, of course, the guy who killed Jasper Knowles. Although I don't remember why.
0: I think they just had beef. It's that he had beef and also, I feel like, uh, the kind of experiments that Jasper was doing... Even Julian was disgusted by him doing those things. Mm-hmm. Julian just wants to send people to Mesopotamia. <laughs> oh, That that whole bit where you have to take care of that uh, ancient vampire elder who's awakened and is threatening both uh, to destroy pieces of civilization and also bring the Second Inquisition down on everyone. Um... It turns into a situation where Julian's not even hiding anymore, and he goes to meet with you and Prince Leto directly, and he's just constantly returning to this idea it's like, what if we used a Stonehenge to send this ancient vampire to the Middle East? That would really cause some chaos, eh? (laughs) Just testing this theory that he hasn't even proved entirely and uh what if we
2: what if we took this vampire elder and pushed him somewhere else (laughs) delightfully devilish seymour (laughs) i was not prepared for the degree to which that mission was just going to turn into like me and my me and my two vampire boyfriends in the desert while they're like trying to beat each other up and i'm like boys please please
1: uh don't try to peacemake it doesn't go well
2: Oh, I did. Really?
0: Yeah it it went for it went well for me. Fucking tourists, goddamn you people! <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, listen, they... listen. Just Don't have, get me wrong. But... Just have just <laughs> have five points in charisma and three points in just have five points in charisma and three points in leadership, manipulation, and persuasion. It's totally fine. Uh, see, for me that was <laughs> dexterity and stealth. So
1: when I and also because I was Banu Hakim, when I saw the original video with Jasper Knowles. And, and uh Ju- julian uh uses his obfuscate in it right to, mm-hmm. to pull off the murder uh and I've, i like i look closely at it. And my character like huh that's a ben hakim doing obfuscate that's weird <laughs>
2: <laughs> wonder if i know any guys like that <laughs> yeah you can uh, you can also find out at the pawn shop that it was julian who came in like sold the knife at the pawn shop and from then on i was like uh okay all right
0: julian's so the murderer. Knife is
1: nothing. got it <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah the, the thing that eventually got uh, julian to calm down was uh, um prince leto explaining his plan to kill the ancient vampire and him realizing oh you're gonna take a vehicle motor and just shoot a stake clean through them hell yes <laughs> oh
2: see i sent the vampire to the middle east oh okay (laughs) you know what it was fucking sick leto turned into a bear that's pretty cool what uh leto turned into a bear and uh fought um fought uh the vampire while julian was trying to do spells and i was like uh okay what do i do here (laughs) there's a great moment where like julian's doing sorcery shit leto has turned into a literal bear (laughs) and is fighting a vampire, and you're just kind of like, well... I guess I will go look at the computer and make sure it is okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for me, it was a situation where I was basically... Julian was knocked to the ground uh, in pieces. Uh, Leto was doing his best to stay stationary on the um, stake mount he set up for himself to shoot at this uh, vampire, and I was in the car doing sweet, fast, and your moves to get him into position. <laughs> and when all of that was said and done, our car still got smashed. And both, both Leto and uh, Julian Sim spent hours just putting their heads back together. <laughs> um, but uh, we still shot a old stake into this uh, giant vampire's heart. And that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I had a lot of failed roles there. <laughs> um, not a lot
2: of stealth you can do in that situation. No, huh? not
1: so much. So, um we went with the Mesopotamia teleport plan. Um and then we didn't teleport him to Mesopotamia because he just stepped out of the ring and punched the shit out of all of us. And it was it was a real knockdown drag out where we all we were listen, we were all putting our heads back together after that one. <laughs> it was I think rough. The
2: m- I think the most messed up I got in that whole deal um, was the was the NVIDIA call mission. Because um, the way I did it... So, like, every mission... There's, like, six missions in this game. Every mission, Leto sends you to do a thing, and then Julian calls you halfway through and is like, Now listen, buddy. He does the, like um he does the fucking like ocelot from mgs5 thing where he's Mm -hmm. like now boss have you thought of have you considered that maybe kaz is a moron and what you should actually do is this um so in that mission leto wants you to like go to call tell her that he will no longer be funding her dumb little experiments and then try to get out of there without getting killed and then Julian comes and says like, hey, you know who will fund Call's Dumb Little Experiments? This guy. So convince her to join me instead. Um, and in order to do that, uh, Call came up with a plan to fake her own death. Mm-hmm. Um, by basically, um, her, she is trying to make vampire clones. Um, so you're supposed to take one of the clones that doesn't work. Uh, throw it in the path of some vampire hunters and get it killed where one of Prince Leto's like agents will see. Um, so I did that and that was about to work and then the FBI showed up and just started shooting me with assault rifles. <laughs> um, and so the most messed up I got was like having to do like three disciplines getting shot several times and then getting home and being like okay I have max hunger, max injuries, I guess I'm going to spend three thousand dollars getting the blood i need (laughs) spent three g's on capri sun (laughs) uh
0: the most messed up i got was uh there's that mission where you're going to that uh um abandoned biodome which also the introduction for that mission was the most ridiculous reference i saw yet (laughs) where um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, Dove, uh, Prince Leto's handler is just like, yeah, the only biodome she's probably familiar with is the one in that failed Polly Shore movie. I was like, really? R- we're referencing that movie? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I- at some point I climbed to the top of the biodome to get a better look at things, and the ladder broke, I broke several bones, the person behind me, uh, just straight up died, but, uh... Yeah, I just took a really nasty fall and was putting myself back together for a bit. Yeah, see, by that point, I was like,
2: okay, a, a bitch needs some dexterity points. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually, um, well, actually, what happened was I watched the I watched the Halloween girls uh, make characters for Hunter and was like, oh, yeah, I guess you should have some distribution for your stats into <laughs> various areas. So you're not totally screwed. Um, I spent a good half of the game just, like, getting better at doing dexterity things. So, uh, I didn't get in I actually didn't- I somehow didn't get anyone killed on that uh,
1: Biosphere oh, I uh, can't
2: relate. <laughs> a lot of deaths. Well, I, wait, I didn't get them all killed, but I did send them to work for Julian, so. Oh, so you got them all killed.
0: <laughs> uh. Wait, isn't there, like- one person who dies regardless like at the very beginning yeah
2: yeah no there is one um but the lady who was like hunting them and killing them all was she only got one of them um and i i I saved the max of them because i got an achievement for for uh not getting everybody killed Mm. nice
1: yeah i only i only saved one and then at that (laughs) so at the end i was like I, I I looked at him, and I was like, I mean...
2: And then I drank him. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I mean, at this point, you know, listen. I, I spent that whole mission deliberately not drinking from anybody, and just watching the hunger meter go up, and going like, ha ha ha, well,
0: hopefully this is not an issue. <laughs> yeah, I I tried drinking from someone, but it was the funniest thing ever, because, like... My whole plan was basically luring one of the scientists over being like, oh, I found a folder. I, I think it has some interesting things you'd want to see. And as it turns out, the folder I, I scooped up was already completely empty. So <laughs> <laughs> at some point um, <laughs> when I lured her over, she just looked at the folder and was like, this is empty. What? And my character was like, haha, yeah, interesting, huh? And she just walked away. <laughs> Smooth. there was no opportunity to just be like okay now's the part where you bite it's just like nope she's gonna walk away
2: f
1: never went thirsty over here good vampire
0: <laughs>
2: i i i eventually started to realize that uh giving you the opportunity to like get blood on missions was like mostly a trap uh so i didn't i didn't do it in a lot of cases um just spent a lot of money. Uh going back to the camera and being like hey can I get some blood
0: yeah I ended up doing it one too many times and eventually fed on someone so much that they died and got an achievement for successfully hiding the corpse which uh, is maybe the most guilty I've ever felt getting an achievement in a video game
1: hey better than the alternative right good work Jen
0: we're
2: proud of you You little murderer! You. you, you little murderer.
1: Who's daddy's little murderer?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, did you have someone interesting reappear within the immigration camp scene? I,
2: I did, but I didn't end up like pursuing that plot line, um, and so I just like heard that this guy was around, uh, but didn't didn't go didn't go find him.
0: Yeah, he he ended up coming to me and was. It, it's funny because your character at that point has no idea what he's planning because he's suddenly wearing things that you might expect a um, second Inquisition person would wear and is all kitted out. But for whatever reason, I seem to have gotten on his good side during that one encounter with the white in the gas station. Uh, was it because the you,
2: was it because you saved his life from a messed up vampire?
0: Yeah. I was, wondering was that what
2: maybe him- you were talking about?
1: I drank that entire family.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Okay, yeah. If if you don't do that, then <laughs> you basically um get into a situation with him where he's like, Okay, yeah, this the situation where all these vampires are feeding on these migrants is really fucked up, so let's do a jailbreak together. And uh I ended up working with him to do that. Like, I cut a few holes within the fences, I told him where they were, and uh, we helped start shit when the Second Inquisition started bearing down on the camp. So, in the confusion, lots of people escaped, and at some point we kind of just touched base to be like, oh yeah, we did good work back there. And <laughs> during that whole scene, I was... You have an option to play it as if you're like secretly part of the second inquisition as well being like yeah vampires huh pretty fucked up we'll we'll work on this together but uh <laughs> i was playing it a little more ambiguously than that and like after all of that happened he was like yeah i i know what you are i i saw you feed on that one guy before so it- it's whatever you help these people so we're all cool
2: <laughs>
1: man jen just bad at being a vampire unexpected really Talk a big game on Twitter every day.
2: <laughs> These fake Twitter vampires. When it actually comes down to it, they're just not willing to eat an entire family.
1: Me, I'm slamming a twelve pack in a moment's notice.
2: <laughs> so I think I think it's funny because like I I also didn't do much of that, uh, but just somehow it worked out. So like I. I guess I guess because there there were like opportunities that I avoided I mm. guess you know um there were definitely times where I was like I was feeling I would, in my role-playing brain I was like man I'm too small for I to be trying any of this crap <laughs> like I'm just I'm just a guy uh, yeah
0: I-, I know what you mean because for the most part like when it came between choosing Julian or the Camilla during missions I would kind of choose Julian for one mission and the roller for the other, I was more or less playing both sides up until the point where it made me sit down and make a decision. So uh, it was definitely a situation where I was like, there is only one save in this game. It auto-saves, and uh, I'm trying to see this to the end. So I'm going to just protect my neck and work for, work for both <laughs> of these people Your neck. until... <laughs> <laughs> That's where the blood is Yeah But yeah, I was uh, Saving my hide there And uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, doing my best to stay alive For the
2: whole thing I had a weird thing where like I, I blew Julian off on the first mission But I like, kind of I gave him something valuable But it wasn't what he wanted Um, So I was like, okay, I mean he likes me But he doesn't all the way like me So maybe there's gonna be some interesting like Loyalty stuff And then I like helped him out on the second mission, and he just like was my best friend for the rest of the game. Even though there are several points where it's like, oh, Julian could get mad at you. If you do this, I would do it anyway, and then I'd go check the relationship screen and still be like, Julian is still your best boyfriend. Um, there was like implied there was more of an implied like push and pull than I than there actually turned out to be.
1: Mm, yeah.
2: Um even though uh there was an implication in the end, which was, like... There was an implication in the end that there was a sequence of events where even though you've been working for Julian, he decides to, like, abandon you. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I wanted that. <laughs> I wish I had been a worse employee of Julian's <laughs> stupid little conspiracy. Yeah, it kind of...
1: I feel like it... I, I don't know. I haven't seen all possibilities. But, like, I really committed hard to Julian from, from the jump. And... I didn't feel like there were any negative consequences. I mean, like, I probably missed some opportunities, but, like, every time I showed up back in Tucson, Leto was like, hmm, things didn't go our way, but I'm sure you did a good job. Or eventually, like, well, I know you're working with Julian and he fucking sucks, but, hey, you want more work? I'm like, sure. (laughs) Uh Yeah,
0: they they set up multiple live grenades with the Camarilla situation that, uh, like, eventually leto learns everything and it still seems like you can get out of that okay which surprised me mm-hmm. like the big the big thing in your background is that uh, at some point while you and uh, while you and Julian were still doing your shitty desert uh, water job um, you ended up consuming an elder which is like the number one thing that, uh, is, it's like the biggest no-no within this world. Not only did you consume an elder, you consumed an elder that, uh, Prince Leto was in love with at some point. Um, this, uh, yeah, this woman named, uh, Isla. And, uh, yeah, at-, at some point Julian catches on that Leto might be more aware than he's letting on and julian's ridiculous (laughs) suggestion is hey what if you try and act like isla took over your body and maybe you could just pretend to be isla and romance prince leto see how that goes but uh after he after leto shakes your hand for one mission and uh ends up having a flashback with you at the same time he more or less figures out that you consume Dyla but since he's more focused on the beckoning which is something that happens to vampire elders when they reach a certain age where they're called to go to the Middle East um he doesn't seem to care all that much which was surprising to me my read on like
2: my read on the Leto is that he's like he's fundamentally, like, a very sentimental kind of guy, you know? Like, unusually so for a vampire, and I think also it's remarked upon for, like, a vampire of his clan. He's not a very harsh person, um, and he wants to, like, work with people um, and kind of, like, give them the the benefit of the doubt in some ways. And I think his kind of, like, we- like his, like, emotional, like, connection to Isla, I think like rather than making him be like oh i've gotta like kill you because of what you did to her like julian says there's an impl- there's like a superstition that like if you if you consume the soul of an elder vampire that they can like exist beyond like having a physical form um and i think like my read on leto was that he was really kind of like letting himself be convinced that, like, oh, well, maybe some version of Isla still, like, lives on in the player character. So if I were to, like, take any harsh action against them, uh, that would be, like, killing her. And he was, like, reticent to do that. um, Which is a character beat that I liked, but I think was written kind of clumsily.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like the biggest problem with this game's overall story is that you have... Uh two different elements that make you into the quote-unquote chosen one uh first one is uh consuming isla this elder vampire and uh, not only taking on her memories but uh in certain cases when you're basically choosing what your character's drives are going to be during these dream sequences it's kind of like she's imprinting her ideals onto you and uh you could kind of see a situation where because the two of you are together like that you could accomplish more than you might initially otherwise but the other thing that makes you a chosen one is at some point you find julian's uh secret uh techno blood that he's using to influence society and oh shit it actually it accidentally breaks and it goes into your body i guess you're now (laughs) you're the techno king (laughs) now you're you're the techno king
2: now you're the super blood man I really didn't like that element of the plot it was pretty dumb um yeah the ending was very like despite being a text adventure the ending was very like triple A video game ending where it's like and now all of the characters are gathered and you have to choose which one you team up with but it kind of feels like you're doing the same thing no matter what you're doing and I was like man I wanted my, like, dramatic, like, Julian betrayal arc and then having to, like, get out of that and try to survive it. Um, it, it felt like it was very, the ending was, like, very neat uh, comparatively in a way that I didn't like. Um, I felt like it was hesitant to make things break bad um, yeah. at the end. Um, because, like, yeah, I went with Julian entirely and Leto was just like, ah, oh, well. Now I will go to the, now I will go to the Middle East. Goodbye. Um, And I was like, wait, you don't have, you don't have anything to say about this? And he's like, not really. Goodbye. Um, And it was just, yeah. Then there's like a boss fight where you have to go back to the, where you have to go back to like Leto's old club and like steal some data for Julian and then fight the second Inquisition lady. And there's just a little, I guess a little rote at the end, you know? Mm -hmm
1: that said as a stealth master that sequence was very fun for me
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i i mostly somehow was able to get through that on like technological skills it's just like i'll go to this computer and then start fucking around on the computer and get the fbi guys to run and try to stop me so you human revolution directors cut that one i i really did (laughs) you know i really really did um it was also very funny because of the final fight with the Sequin Inquisition lady. Um, there was an amazing dialogue where I was able to be like, in my head, my character was able to be like, Julian is a master of close combat, so I can just, I can just help him fight this lady. And I'm like, Julian is a what of what? <laughs> um, but then Julian pulled out a bunch of knives and went invisible and went sicko mode on this FBI lady. And I was like, oh, I, I guess he is. Okay, well... I feel bad about my, I feel bad about all the points I spent in combat again. Yeah, my, uh, <laughs>
1: I, it didn't exactly read like this, but given my build being, like, stealth and swords, my I basically had the dialogue options of, like, Julian is a master of melee combat, I should leave it to him, and I am a master of melee combat, I should leave it to me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, uh, I think some of the, some of the, um, some of the internal dialogue for your character is very funny Mm -hmm. um i forgot to mention this on when we were talking about the pawn shop lady uh but there was a bit where where there was a dialogue bit i could get with her which is like i need an ally in this city and i like pretty girls with cool tattoos so i'm gonna (laughs) chat her up and like get her to like me yeah yeah
1: (laughs) also the way you turn her into a ghoul is you have a conversation where you're like I'm going to have a conversation where I drop words like power and immortality and see what she thinks
2: (laughs) okay (laughs) very smooth
0: so did y'all want to get into your favorite scenes and uh, more importantly did any of you play the auction scene the what scene?
1: the DLC quest that you get right before the end game I didn't do it um because by that point I mean it's a it's a job you do with someone from the Camarillo and at that point the Camarillo hated my guts
2: and I kind of hated them so I did not do it I yeah yeah I, I remember Jen talking about this but I forgot to like look for it so I guess I
0: didn't do it so the funny thing about that job is you don't have to do it for the Camarilla you can actually fuck them over in that oh. one but uh, essentially what this job is is uh, you get introduced to a different uh, group, uh, a different uh, family, a different two families of vampires who are more or less looking to move into Tucson and uh, in order to do that they are looking to acquire this uh, statue at an auction um, mm-hmm. Basically as a way to bring these two other clans into this family and uh, more or less take a stake a claim within this area. Wait, so, question. Meanwhile, the camera... Question. Mm-hmm. is: Was the
2: quest hook for that the one where a phone just starts ringing? Yeah. Yes. Okay, no. I Okay, I remember this, but my character was like, fuck that. I'm not picking
0: up any goddamn phones. I get yeah, shot what, enough what as happens- it is. <laughs> what happens if you pick up the phone is that uh, the person who's been tailing you for the past five minutes gets uh, drives up, storms out, and she's like, You just picked up my fucking job. I was waiting for that call for months, and you just take it from me. And uh, Dove is in the car with her, and Dove's like, Well, you would have been able to pick up the phone if you didn't decide... Oh, that looks like a suspicious vampire. I'll just start chasing her around. <laughs> so, you get roped into this job where like like I said with the other side, what they want you to do is more or less help them get that statue and act as the getaway driver. While the Camerilla wants you to go into the auction and uh, bid it up to 50,000 so that uh the devi- the item gets moved to a different location that they can easily take it from. And uh The auction house itself is such an interesting environment because almost immediately your character gets there and they're like, this feels really, really haunted (laughs) because everyone here is just drinking and not having a good time. Something is up here. And uh, as it turns out, if you explore the area a little bit, you run into the ghost whose collection you're about to bid on lives around um, as basically this wraith Um, and, uh, you're like, oh, that's kind of creepy, but I'm going to go to this auction. And, uh, when that item that this, uh, Wraith, um, created comes up for bidding and you start the bidding war, at some point the Wraith uses his energy to materialize as the (laughs) guy who died and starts bidding on his own item that he made and... Everyone is freaked the fuck out to the point where you have to use your concentration and willpower to make the auctioneer pay attention to you when you're bidding. Like, don't look at that ghost. Look at me. I'm bidding on this item. I am bidding on this item. And, uh... (laughs) Yeah, if you win that, the ghost will, like, visit you somewhere else and be like, Hey, yeah, I know that you won this, but... I made it, it's mine, and I'd really like it if you returned it to me. So, instead of taking payment for the job, I basically told the Camarilla, look, you just wanted to get this so you could fuck up these other clan's um, plans. All you need to pay me is this particular statue, and we're good. So, (laughs) uh, this wraith led me to his gravesite, where I just buried the statue and then he was like "Oh, okay peace and your character's like well i don't know what that was about but he seems at peace now so i guess that's a job done sometimes that's how it works in
2: world of darkness you're just like well don't really understand what that was
0: about but i'm not dead (laughs) (laughs) yeah and like that DLC, depending on what you choose, you can get all sorts of other things, like you can get a super hyped up car, you can get a specific charm to make your driving skills better, uh, you can even get a few other vampiric powers that aren't in the main game, but uh, yeah, I, I just really wanted to return this statue to the guy who made it, <laughs> because he seemed really attached to that statue.
1: Supernaturally attached.
0: Mm -hmm. indeed yeah just like i i wish more games were like that just in terms of you're going to an auction and suddenly the dead person who made what you're bidding on appears to bid on it like that that's such a brilliant thing to me that you only see in role-playing situations i mean that's a very that's a very
1: specific request for games i don't know how many games can step up to that (laughs)
0: Well, I mean, it sounds like something that you would write in our Blades in the Dark campaign, which is why I like that mission so much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. It does have, Mm -hmm. I think one thing this this game does do pretty
2: well is I think it does like convey the vibes of a tabletop campaign to a certain degree. Um, There are like extremely some stuff that I didn't like that. That is just a very like tabletop thing. Um, I can imagine the game master doing a spooky ghost voice as, as, you know, they're just, like, completely enchanted with their, like, wraith shows up and bids on the auction idea. Um, and I, I definitely had, like, new points in this game where I definitely had a lot of fun being, like, yeah, this is just, like, a ridiculous tabletop scenario.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, even though you're playing the lowest of the low rung in this vampiric society, like... It is a power fantasy, especially when you're just cruising down this road, um, t- 10 or 20 minutes before daybreak, looking for a place to stay uh, while the second Inquisition are hot on your heels. It feels very much like a scenario set up to make you feel cool, and it often does make you feel cool. I think that's a very video game part, right?
2: Like the, 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 what was it, um... Masquerade Bloodlines was like this too. Like theoretically, you're just like some some random guy um, in the in the in Santa Monica, but Dang. you're why are you the chosen one in that game? Is there a thing that that just like makes you the chosen one in that? I the don't way even there remember. But you're special for some reason. I think yeah. I think and <laughs> I think in that game you might be special just because like. I think you might be special, not necessarily because of you, but because like m- older vampires like are interested in you and what you do. Um, I-, I think it. I think it is less that like you have a magic power, and that there are like several very old vampires who are like following you around, being like, "Get a load of this guy! <laughs> Check this guy out!"
0: Yeah. It, in Night Road, you even have a bit where Leto mentions, yeah, I, I knew a vampire back over there um, who happened to work for LaCroix for a bit. Like, yeah, I, I was good friends with him. So <laughs> it's they definitely set it up so that uh, there is some sort of sense that that person was important and you're important too.
2: Yeah, there's uh, I, I caught a few references to, to Santa Monica mm. um, in the game. I think a reference, I think I, I think there was a reference to the boat mission from uh, Bloodlines. As in, like, you know, like, this, you know, this, um, I think there was, like, a crack scientist who had proposed, like, a crazy theory for why all the cops on that boat died. Um, and it was like, you may remember this guy's crack theories from this last one that he proposed about this boat, but he's got a new one.
1: Oh, yeah, from the radio <laughs> mission, radio uh, things that occur in between uh, like, not loading screens, but in between events sometimes.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think vamp- specifically Vampire the Masquerade is about listening to a woman with a late-night radio show, just like entertain
0: freaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the radio plays an important part in this game, or at least in terms of keeping your cover, because like one of the main things this vampiric society does to maintain the masquerade is they pay a lot of crack DJs to um, spread ridiculous rumors about sewer gators or things like that in order to, like, make people think it's some other bizarre conspiracy other than vampires existing. Though I think I only did that, like, once. Mm-hmm. But that may explain the kill teams that
2: came after me several times during this game.
1: <laughs> yeah, you had kill teams,
2: huh? <laughs> yeah. There's a version of that hospital mission you can... Of, like, the the early hospital mission you can do. Um, And I actually restarted my game because this was, like, so... Honestly infuriating. But, like, there's a version of that mission where just, like... The cops and then some, like, uh, random drug runner guys... And then, like, possibly the second inquisition... Just all descend on this hospital and start shooting each other. And you don't get anything done. And I was just like, man, what the fuck is this? So I restarted the game to try to do the hospital mission again, uh, but that's a way that mission can go.
0: Huh? Yeah, mine went uh, just as simple as getting in there and uploading the fake information and getting out. Yeah, you can. Um, there's like, there's like six different
2: ways you can try to get into that office, and several of them are traps. Um, but like. If you, I think if you just try to go straight in there and, like, pick the lock or something, it, it's very easy. Um, but I think if you try any kind of, like, social approach or stealth, like, things are just going to pop off.
1: Well, if you turn invisible... <laughs> yeah?
2: <laughs> yeah, that one works. Oh, good, I'm glad.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was really hurting for solutions, so <laughs> I just turned invisible.
0: The social bit worked for me. Like, I just put on some hospital scrubs and uh, talked to a guard and they were like, oh yeah, I guess you're supposed to be here, huh? Go right in. Okay, that's the exact approach I did.
2: And I had, like, six dice, so I don't know what happened. Huh. Weird.
0: The weirdest thing about that mission and several others is that, uh, like, there's always an option to be, like, you know, what if I took over this operation myself? And they never seemed like good operations to take over for yourself. Jen, <laughs>
1: yeah, you need to have some like, vision. Uh, That's how it starts.
0: I didn't
2: do most of those because I was not playing a character who's like... I was playing the character who was helping the guy who had those ideas. I was not. I was not the character who would do that herself.
0: Yeah. Same. Like, I was too focused on social climbing to be like, oh I'm gonna settle down and run a hospital. How hard could it be?
1: Yeah, I had I, I didn't take over him like directly myself. I just had a lot of moments of Julian being like, and we will run the hospital. And I said, Yes, we will. And Julian ran it and I got a percentage of the money. It was great. <laughs> Highly recommended that Julian pays uh. <laughs> you for no reason. Every month.
2: That is nuts. I don't believe that about his character. <laughs> he is not a guy who is like prompt about his fucking invoices, especially when you like, <laughs> especially when you've just done him a big favor. Julian is a hundred percent the guy who doesn't pay you.
1: Sounds like somebody got the gave away the strategic advantage by kissing him.
2: Um, that came I don't want to name names. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> If you actually do decide to kiss him, it takes place, like, right before the, um... It takes place right before the, like, final mission. So, he didn't have time.
1: (laughs) He could sense it. He could tell it was coming.
2: (sighs) Yeah. I think mainly I wish this game had, like, a save system. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think especially when looking at the patch notes and seeing that previous updates have in all caps will erase your save.
2: Yeah, that part seems pretty like hacked together. Um I think especially for a game like this, like I want to be able to explore my options. Um because like I I definitely like restarted character creation over a few times because I felt like my points were getting allocated weirdly based on my choices, and you have no way of doing that until you make the backstory choices. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think there's a degree of... Um, how do I want to phrase this? I think it's sort of an engine limitation to a degree, because I played Mecha Ace, which is also a choice of games game, runs on the same engine, and it has checkpoints for if you die, but you still can't load saves. Hmm. It's still just the one save. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, basically, even though you're running it on Steam, it seems like it's basically opening a HTML file. Like, uh, feels very browser based. Mm-hmm. So, that is a pretty big limitation, and uh, it's it's a shame that it means that uh, you have to play an entire eight hour game over and over to choose different things. But uh, yeah.
2: I won't lie. When I restarted my uh, when I restarted my game to do the hospital mission over again, I got really good at that first section. If Wait, you a t- I'm pr- hmm? did Jen just call this an eight hour game? Mine took
0: eight hours.
1: Mine took four.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we've we've established through multiple <laughs> episodes six that you read much. Okay, much sorry.
1: Better. I just this is just okay. Yeah. <laughs>
2: All right, I think enough. also, I think also turning invisible, you know, your vaunted fucking <laughs> turning invisible power probably made some things pretty simple.
1: There were boss fights that didn't happen, it's true.
2: <laughs> uh-huh.
1: I <laughs> uh, walked away <laughs> while invisible.
2: Peace. <sighs> God. Vampire super speed is a lot less helpful than you think it would be, is something I found out playing this game. Well, I think every other
1: vampire has super speed, too, is the problem. That's, like, one of the common powers.
2: No, the common power is... You no, know, celerity is not a common power.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. You know, I mean, it was... Who has it? I think it's a Bruja Toreador uh, something else power. I think it's only in three clans. Mm, okay. Okay. I know Pattermuster has it because he did it with his fucking two katanas. Like,
0: <laughs> that's a very weird, <laughs> that's a very weird <laughs> character. <laughs> yeah, just coming up to this um, hospital director, or at least former hospital director, and him going like, "Hey, you want to check out my swords? Pretty cool." Oh, huh? you know who
1: else who has it? You know who the third one is?
0: Hmm.
1: Banu Hakim, yeah. <laughs> best clan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's uh there is a bit. Where there's a bit in the hospital mission where you get to see him use his swords, um, and then a very funny bit later where I was like ready to upload the intel to the hotel network and like, okay, now I could do what Pattermuster wants, or I could betray him and make him angry, and make his two swords angry. You know what? I think Julian can wait. Tap tap tap. tap. <laughs> <It's> just like <laughs> did the mission like I'm supposed to do. Went home. Didn't didn't piss off the guy with the two with the two katanas. And the super speed and super strength.
1: Actually, that brings up one yeah. thing I liked is that d- d- major NPCs for the various um, like clans are the various like possibilities for your sire based on what you pick. If you pick uh, um, Bruja, then Pattermouse is yours. If you pick uh, Toreador, then it's the the lady in... Despine. Yes. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if you pick Ben Hokim, obviously it's Julian, etc., I assume mm-hmm. if you pick Nosferatu, it's the white.
2: Yeah, Dove. Um, yeah. Uh, I know I know because my girlfriend played a little bit of it as a Tremere, that if you pick a Tremere, it a uh, call is your sire. I was really disappointed with my encounter with Espine as a Toreador. I felt like there was... This is kind of a limit of video games, but I felt like there was not much of an opportunity to be like, hey you brought me, you made me a vampire so that you could, like, do an art project with my whole soul? That's pretty fucked. <laughs> um, it was just, this, it was very much just like, ah, I'm doing a normal job. Um, but I was able to kind of, like, salvage a fictional arc out of that, which is like, you know what? Luca is not trying to mess with this lady again. She is just trying to do her job and go home.
0: Um, Yeah. Um, Mine was definitely a situation where my character was basically her private investigator, so going over to her, it was a a situation like, okay, so I've worked with her before, I know that she's gonna try and get me to do a bunch of other stuff for her, so (laughs) my solution to the whole thing is like, hey, I I guess I have... 5,000 cash laying around, so I'm just gonna give you this, and you can give me what I need, and we'll go our separate ways. I will
2: pay you $5,000 to fuck off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Got into a lot of good, uh, like, got into a lot of good head-slamming brawls with Dove when we first met, just because, um, Apparently, Toriador and her specific vampire clan just kind of hate each other. So yeah, she she was just constantly being like, "What's up, degenerate?" And I was like, "Not much, sewer wet. How's it going?" Yeah, surprisingly, <laughs> and surprisingly, just,
2: surprisingly, the vampire clan whose whole thing is looking pretty and the vampire clan whose whole thing is being ugly as sin have some beef.
0: <laughs> yeah, a little.
1: Also, she. Pla- she's really fucking rude to you at first so oh
2: i okay i like dove and i because i'm pretty sure that if you talk to her if you choose to talk to her in the beginning i'm pretty sure she knocks down the prices of the starter cars such that you can buy the best car Ooh. um i'm pretty sure that's what happens and i also think if you negotiate for more money with let out i think That's what happens, because when I restarted it to do the hospital mission a different way, I was like, oh, I can afford this car somehow? How did I do that? And I think the thing that I did was different was talk to Dove. Hmm. So, who knows? I mean, I bought a fancy sword anyway, so, you know. (laughs) I I love (laughs) that the dialogue option for that is, I'm a vampire, so obviously I need a sword. How does that... No, hold on. No, that makes sense,
1: because swords are more effective on other vampires. Hmm. Guns are for dealing with mortals. They can kill vampires, but it takes too much work.
0: Mm -hmm. Thankfully, because I got shot a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Guns are for the Inquisition, swords are for fellow kindred.
1: Yep. I guess
0: that's why Pattermaster
2: has two of them.
1: Listen, swords can also be for the Inquisition. There were a lot of bodies in that nightclub.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, there were. It
1: was pretty. It was pretty good. It was just like <laughs> I think one of my favorite bits of of just like the way something played out, the way it was written, was like, okay, I was I was doing that last sprint through the nightclub. And it was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ambush this squad of like ten dudes with the sword. And you're like, okay, you've got a plan. You're gonna pop out. You're gonna just like swish, swish, and they'll be down. And the weirdest thing is, it fucking works. <laughs>
0: <sighs> hey. um, t- turns out Blade was onto something.
2: <laughs> this, this guy, this guy had some good ideas.
0: Uh, were were there any were there any other bits that people wanted to talk about like any particular scenes that stuck out or like any thoughts in general Mm -hmm.
2: Um, no i think i i think i hit everything personally
1: yeah i think just generally i as much as i enjoyed this game um i wish it didn't try to make the stakes so big I would have preferred a more mundane story than deciding the fate of the masquerade. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Yeah, it it would have been nice if it stuck to what it felt like it was going for at the beginning, which is basically like, okay, so are you going to like be the camera? Are you going to be the camera's lapdog, or are you going to like be? on the side of the anarchs and like uh find your own way because you're not getting anywhere with the Camarilla. But uh of course they had to make it more dramatic.
2: I would have appreciated, like I would have wanted the version of this game which is like more more grounded in like the the part of the story that's about Isla and like you know, you 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 and Julian like did this thing in the past, um and you know, you can feel your character can feel a various number of ways about it. But then all of a sudden it becomes a lot more like it comes back up to bite you um, and you're trying to to deal with that. That was probably the like story element that I thought was the most interesting. and it it didn't really come up. So I kind of want to do another playthrough like and go down the like Camarilla and leto route and see if that comes up more. I don't know. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I started doing that, and I didn't finish it um, before this podcast for a couple of reasons. Mostly just, like, other stuff in my life. Um, mm-hmm. I've been behind on editing and things. I'm caught up now. It's nice. You should try it if you haven't. It's great. Um, but also, the fact that it started to feel kind of like, I mean, a really predictable problem. For all this game's, like, versatility, there's a lot of just, like, okay, well, I know how this scene goes, and I kind of just don't feel like doing it again right now within days of having done it again you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah totally
2: i feel like i i feel like i very frequently say i would like to play a game with that we do on this podcast again and do it a different way so i think i need to buckle myself down to that and just be like all right it's been a few episodes now we're gonna go back i, I want to do like uh I want to do Signs of the Sojourner and, like, try to find those, like, new characters that they put in. Mm. Um, That was another one I remembered. I wanted to get through Suzerain without, like, um, uh, without, what is it, uh, getting cooed again. (laughs) Uh, But I think I gotta, I think I gotta buckle down and make myself do some of that.
0: Yeah, that'd be interesting to, like, have us uh, take a look at some of the older games we've covered before and uh, maybe check in on um maybe revisit them and check in on that uh, in a future episode maybe I don't know I don't know if
2: I would be more or less likely to do it if it was like I don't well I'd do it if we made it like a part of the podcast but I don't know if I'd enjoy it as much
0: um, yeah it be co- it, it might be better to just do it for ourselves <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: do we want to go to emails we do have one
0: yeah Oh, we do? Okay. Yeah. Um, The uh, email, by the way, is at abnormalmappingpodcast.gmail.com It's a little bit different than the previous one just because the previous one had trouble receiving emails, but uh, yeah, yeah, we'd love to have your questions and comments about this game or any of the other games we cover.
1: Uh, To be clear, it hasn't changed between the last episode and this one, but has changed since, you know, one's further back. So, um hasn't changed again you're good um so this email is from kyrie uh text adventure games be they in the style of night road or classic zork provide a unique way to write grand adventures or small scale affairs with the only limitation being the writer's imagination and time i think but you know one of my favorite text adventures is the classic Infocom Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which was an adaptation of a book of the same name. Is there a book series or your own original fiction you'd like to be turned into a text adventure game? How would you leverage the strength of the medium to tell the story? Hmm. hmm.
0: So this actually is something I wanted to get into, but uh I it kind of blanked my mind until just now. Um This is kind of sort of a text adventure, but it also leans more towards, I'd say, the format of a choose-your-own-adventure book. Like, it has more granularity than that, but uh, a lot of the systems are the same in terms of just you're given a menu options to choose from rather than, like, typing in things and seeing what happens. But, uh, yeah, it...
1: well. I mean I think the distinction there I I played a lot of like text adventures like as in in the style of like TADS um, and uh, like Adrift back in the day Um, and I think the distinction there is maybe not worthwhile to be honest Um, I hear what you're saying but a lot of times like if you look at it you still have to predefine the responses and the difference is just does the game tell you what the responses are or not you know
0: yeah I think you have a point there um like
1: you could make the same game in in tads three um and the only difference would be you would have to guess what word they were thinking of instead of having just a list of options
0: yeah i I think you definitely have a point there um in terms of uh stories that I would enjoy within this format um, Hmm. That's a little hard to say. Like, usually I'm interested in seeing brand new stories within this sort of format rather than seeing adaptations. But uh, it would be interesting, I think, to, like, take something more true crime-focused, like Sharp Objects, and see if you could do anything there with that. Um, But that's mostly because I've been on a true crime and murder kick in terms of, like, fictional stories, so... Yeah. I, I have been reading a... I, I have been reading um novels recently, which are basically 1946 detective stories uh, written in Japan, and I feel like those would make pretty good games, but also those already exist in games somewhat in the form of, like, Famicom Detective Club, so yeah i guess i guess i'm gonna say i don't really have to get answers for that i've been on a i've been on a brain kick thinking
2: about arthurian myth recently and i think you could do a fun text adventure game about being some kind of like questing knight um especially because knights in arthurian myth can always do really weird shit um and i think just being able to type those things out would be would be helpful for that um to just kind of like accommodate all the like random weird stuff that shows up in in uh, Arthurian myth, like um, like uh, one of the knights of the Round Table like was was theoretically able to like just grow to be ten feet tall if he felt like it, <laughs> which is uh, which is a very random power. But I don't know, I'd like to see you know something interesting or weird like that.
1: Yeah, sure. I think that could be fun.
0: Oh, that. That actually reminds me. Have you checked out uh, Pendragon at all, Olivia?
2: Um, uh, th- the only thing I can associate
0: with that name is the YA series. Oh, okay. <laughs> Basically, um, in 2020, Inkle, the people who made 80 Days and uh, a bunch of other games like that, mm-hmm. put out a their own take on Arthurian legend called uh, Pendragon. And it kind of mixes... Turn-based strategy with, uh, like a branching story set within Arthurian legend.
2: Mm. I do see it on Steam. Mm-hmm. I do see a screen. Yeah, I, I do see a screenshot in which
0: someone is asking about Sir Kay. Uh, that's my boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I-, I figured if that was on your mind recently, then this game might be up your alley. Mm. Well, I'll look into it.
1: I had an answer, and now it's gone Oh, Three Kingdoms. Oh. I want to be a low-level officer in the Three Kingdoms, and I want Sao Sao to be like, hey, you should work for me. And I want Lubei to be like, oh, I'm so sad, and I'm so noble, and if you wanted to work for me, I guess that'd be fine, and I want to flip him off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, just a, a game where a bunch of various officers are more or less courting you. <laughs> Oh,
1: you talk about courting! I gotta br- bring a whole new meaning to "do not pursue Lu Bu," <laughs> the most, the most tragic toxic relationship you've ever seen. Um. <laughs> uh. Lu Bu's side piece. Well, Lu Bu's other side piece. Technically, Lu Bu was already married, and Dao Chan was the side piece. Um, listen.
2: <laughs> F.
0: <laughs> Did we want to give some closing thoughts on this game? Anything that we haven't said yet?
1: Mm-hmm. Play a banner Hakeem. You just turn invisible. It's great.
2: <laughs> well, I do need a I do need a clan for my second playthrough. So.
1: <sighs> okay, okay, you're in. Okay, you're surrounded, right? The second Inquisition has like seven hundred dudes, and they all have guns pointed at you, and they have like a helicopter. Mm-hmm. What do you do?
2: You- do you turn invisible? No question, because
1: you're not there. You're invisible. Oh. It solves everything. <laughs> <sighs>
0: uh, I feel like in real life there would be a lot of problems that that turning invisible would not solve. But uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> hasn't, hasn't hasn't seen that way to me. I mean, the lady in the final boss fight has a flamethrower, which uh, to me seems like a problem that turning invisible doesn't solve. But clearly, it worked out for you somehow.
1: It did. In fact, <laughs> you're correct. <laughs> Turns out you still got to point the flamethrower somewhere.
2: Uh, I had a... Uh, I remember in that final fight... Here's my last thought. I remember in that final fight, there was a... So I had five dots in composure as an attribute, which is not a skill that comes up often, but every time it did no. in that game, as it did in the final fight where the lady has a flamethrower, and I was able to use my five points of composure every time I was like, yes! Yes! Ha <laughs> ha! Uh, it's all it's all coming up, Olivia. Um, I really only used composure like three times in that game, which was tragic, given how many points I had in it.
1: Yeah, I had four composure myself, just from character creation somehow. And you're right; it was not very commonly useful, but when
2: it was, it was clutch. Uh-huh. Uh, I believe Composure was the stat that let me, like, talk to NVIDIA Call when she was, like, going sicko mode and throwing, like, sorcerer blood everywhere. So it to just be like, mm-hmm. no, hold on. I'm talking to you in a direct and calm voice. Let's not murder all of these people. I thought you were, I thought you were the vampire clan that didn't go into, like, murder rages. You thought wrong. Ah.
0: Uh, so I realize this is more of a me problem than anything else, but uh, every time people say Nvidia Call out loud, I know, I know. Think of the- I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I just think of the video card Nvidia, and I'm like, oh, Doctor Call is working super hard to find the secrets of ray tracing. Uh,
2: that's what the snow room is about. She's just working on new lighting techniques in the snow room. <laughs>
0: Uh yeah. I I had a lot of fun with this game like I don't it was nice to play something that felt like uh I was having a computer um basically play DM for me for a bit in terms of uh giving me this interesting role playing scenario and uh doing whatever sounded the most interesting or true to my character and uh yeah, I I feel like it does some of that better than a lot of other games do and other parts about the same, which uh, means not super well at all. But uh, yeah, overall, I had a pretty great time. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think I had some some quibbles with it, but pretty, I think pretty short, pretty short and sweet and like an overall enjoyable time.
0: Yeah. So, uh, next episode, we're going to be taking a look at, uh, Phoenix Wright, uh, Spirit of Justice, which is, um, around 20, 2015 sort of release date, uh, it came out on 3DS, but it's also available on, uh, iOS and Android and maybe PC, but don't hold me to that, it might not be on PC, but, uh, yeah, we figured that since, uh, the great Ace Attorney games are about to come out in a few months. It might be interesting to go back to the series, uh, especially since some of us um, got introduced to visual novels in the first place through those games. So, uh, yeah, we're going to go take a look at that one, which, from what I've heard, leans more on the supernatural than even the previous games did. So that should be interesting. Not on PC. Okay, not on PC. That's fine. There's other ways to play it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, it's it's time to did solve crime.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I've been kind of on a crime solving kick with various games and books lately, so An anime be... that
1: you've perhaps forced your co hosts to watch to fight
2: the fact <laughs> that they suck. Damn. You're making us-no that, watch... that was
1: hypothetical. What are you talking about? I was just that was a joke. I'm just goofing.
0: Damn. You're making us watch Italia this week. You're not one to talk.
1: But the point is for you to suffer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Anyway>. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, where can people find you on the internet, Olivia? Uh,
2: you can find me on the internet at Great uh, where you can find in a pin tweet that I should probably update uh, all the podcasts that I do. Uh, the latest one... Uh, that I do is Attention Duelists, which is a Yu-Gi-Oh! rewatch podcast that I do with my girlfriend. Oh, Nora. shit. We are. Yeah. Did you not know? <laughs> no, that's great. I'm excited. <laughs> we, we started with a, with a, the, I think it's a 1998 series, like original Yu-Gi-Oh! before they even invent the card game. Um, mm-hmm. Yugi, is like, Yu-Gi is like, what if Jigsaw was like into leather? is kind of the vibe (laughs) uh, that he's got going on but it's a good time yeah Um, we do that bi-weekly so if if you want to come on the Yu-Gi-Oh journey with us uh, you are pretty early
1: Um, I'm stoked that sounds great
2: Um, who do I throw to Uh, Uh,
1: usually the host goes last so um, yeah I don't know that's just what I'm used to All right,
2: six where can people find Um,
1: you uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at sixdetmar s a x d e t t m a r. If you need to see someone get like ridiculously overexcited every time there's news about Roman Total War, Three Kingdoms two, I got your back. Otherwise, there's nothing of worth on that Twitter, so just go to scanlandmedia.com or patreon.com/scanlandmedia. So what about you, Jen?
0: Yeah, you can also find me at jbu3 on Twitter and at scanlinemedia.com or patreon.com slash scanlinemedia. Uh, We have uh, articles, videos, streams, podcasts, all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, we we do quite a bit, and uh, we're thankful for anyone who checks us out. And uh, on that note, we'll see you next time. Quick save! (laughs) we'll see you next time with Phoenix Wright uh, Spirit of Justice Mm -hmm. goodbye everyone